Welcome back to the Discovering Forestry podcast, here for another episode. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Lofi. And I'm Joe Aiken, uh, the other host. And the other host with the, the host. other, the other host. You're the good host. I guess I'm the bad host, or however you want to do it. But uh, co-host. Uh, we got a pretty exciting group with us uh, tonight. What happened is a few weeks back, um, we had Hillary on, and we talked about what do we do? How forestry? What do you do after school? And uh, I think uh, what's exciting is that. Corey, you, uh, you're actually from University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point Forestry, right? Cor correct. The, the University of Wisconsin at Stevens Point. No, there's only one the, and that's south of Michigan. That's Ohio State. But that's in Ohio State. So uh, one of our, uh, we got a lot of questions on uh, why forestry um, after school. You know, how, did, how did you guys find this? How did you find your passion? Uh, Corey and I, one of our first podcasts, talked about how we got in the industry. And believe me, we can talk and we filled it up pretty quick. But yeah, the nice thing about this is we've got we've got a wide variety. We've got a panel. We've got folks who dabble in a little bit of every part of the industry. It's not just exclusively urban forestry, and it's not just exclusively timber cruising, like so many of our conversations have been focused around. So yeah, Joe, I'm I'm excited to see where we're gonna go with this. All right, so let's. Um, I'm gonna, like I said, because uh, it's kind of an MSU forestry alum. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass it off to uh, uh, Dan. And Dan, you got a you got a pretty exciting program going at MSU. So we could probably kind of start. How did you get there, and how did why forestry and uh, is this where you're going to retire? Do you like it that much? You know, explain a little about who you are, where you're at, and how you got there. So uh, I'm Dan Brown. Uh, this, my official title, it's a mouthful, Sustainable Bioproduct Specialist. I did not come up with that. Uh, but I, I like to say I, I coordinate the MSU Shadows Collection, uh, which basically we take the, the trees that grow on campus. Uh, so we have a history one of the oldest campuses, uh, the whole campus is an arboretum. Uh, we have trees that predate campus uh, that are 450 years old, seeing the uh, Native Americans uh, live there. Uh, it saw uh, French uh, fur traders come through. Um, you know, we were, I guess the British or Americans finally uh, got it. it, it witnessed all that, and then it watched uh, the campus be built. So every single student that's ever walked across this campus uh, you know, some of these trees have, have witnessed it. Uh, we have trees that uh, uh, President Roosevelt had planted, uh, Professor Beale, uh, we can talk all night about what he, he has done uh, for forestry. Uh, so we have a, a lot of trees, a lot of, uh, a lot of important trees, a lot of trees that uh, a lot of our alumni hold, hold uh, dear to our hearts. Uh, <clears throat> so what we've done in the past is those trees would come down and like a lot of urban trees, they end up in a landfill. Um, they get chopped up for mulch, uh, firewood maybe. Uh, at MSU, we were using it as a uh, biofuel in our power plant. We have since kind of gone away from coal and moved to natural gas. So uh, we have this big resource, what do we do with it? So uh, they had uh, come up with an idea, let's uh, 
turn these trees into uh, lumber and, and start making products and then we can share you know some of these trees with campus and the proceeds come back to plant more trees on campus and then uh, foster more education uh, in forestry. So why, why am I in forestry? It's kind of a lifelong, I was a late bloomer. I was 29 when I showed up and all these guys were <laughs> way younger than me, but uh, they, they welcomed me in and uh, let me be a part of the club and, and uh, be cool uh, for a second time around. So I got to peak twice, uh, I guess 2001 and then again around 2012, 13 or so. Um, <clears throat> You're a pretty lucky man. Yeah, yeah. So it was great. Uh, but I went to MSU in 2012, uh, decided to be a forester. I was a Boy Scout. I'm from a little bitty town uh, with a paper mill down in the Appalachians. And uh, I watched uh, log trucks come and go all the time. And uh, I guess it just kind of fell into it. Uh, <clears throat> but I went to MSU in 2012 and I never left. Um, I started, I actually applied for this job while I was a student intern uh, with the DNR. And uh, I think I, I came back, I had a shirt all covered in uh, marking paint. I took that off, put on a nice shirt. Uh, I was just in <laughs> uh, old grody pants and did a Skype interview, got the job, uh, and actually started it uh, part-time as a student in my last uh, semester. And then I'm still in the same building, the same place, doing the <laughs> seeing the same oh, but you know, it's, I, But you still love it, Dan. You still oh, love yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and then... It's, it's cool to be able to, you know, I've sawn logs that some people never get to see. So uh, the Capitol uh, had a tree planted. It was a ginkgo. Um, and it was about three feet around. It was, uh, I think it was planted for, it was already old, but it's not the, the, the car guy. It was a governor. Um, so it was about three feet around. They had to take it down. And there's nothing in the literature. I couldn't find anybody that's ever sawn it. They didn't know how to, how do you dry the stuff? Um, so I was able, we actually had a professor uh, from Japan that was visiting us. He was a silver culturist. And I asked him, I said, hey, I said, how do you dry ginkgo? What do you do with this? You know, because it's, it's quite popular in Japan. And uh, he said, treat it like cedar. So this, this stuff is 166% moisture content. So the, the water weighed more than the wood. Uh, we got to get it down to 8%. Normally oak and things, it takes three to four months, you know, in the kiln. Um, cedar is kind of hot and fast. So I stuck it in the kiln, cranked it up as high as it'll go <laughs> as the uh, schedule dictates. And a week later, it's 8%, no cracks, no checks, no nothing. So um, it's experiences like that to be able to, to mess with stuff that a lot of people haven't. Um, to be able to bring to life and, and bring back, you know, logs that would be trash. And, uh, you know, they have real unique characteristics, spalting and, and lots of characters. So I enjoy it. Uh, what am I going to do in the future? Or will I be in this in the future? Yes. Uh, my goal is to work myself out of a job. Uh, hopefully one of these days there's people sawing urban wood and making stuff and selling it all over place. And then I'll just kind of get drowned out. So that's... Uh, I guess my lifetime goal was to work myself <laughs> out of a job, essentially. I, and I do wish you all the luck in the world with that program. And I hope you do. Uh, recently, I've been uh, working with Paul, this is a Paul Hickman. Yep. Urban Ashes. And part of our program is to get, uh, let you know, is that we've been working on the historic sawmill in Detroit is to do the same thing, to have a platform to talk about urban wood reutilization. So a uh, great job. And, uh, 
I think because of the work that you're doing, uh, it keeps it in the forefront for people to understand how valuable that timber is. It doesn't have to go on the landfill. So great job, dude. Thank you. Uh, who wants to go next? Everybody's dying to go, jumping and itching to go. Let's go. Uh, let's let's pick Sean. So uh, I'm currently, or I'm about to start in about a week, uh, a forestry technician, senior firefighter with the National Park Service. So I've done all sorts of wildland fire stuff with the Forest Service and now soon to be the National Park Service. Um, originally, I thought I'd be working for like a state, like the Michigan DNR or uh, I don't know, maybe like a private warehouse or something like that. But, you know, I came out west, fell in love with the mountains and uh, the, the Forest Service employs a lot of uh, wildland firefighters. So I got the chance to meet them and just kind of got sucked into the life of travel, seasonal work, and uh, stuff like that. Uh, eventually, I want to move more towards fuels, uh, like hazardous fuels mitigation and uh, prescribed burning, um, which I've done a lot in the southeast in Alabama, Texas, and Kentucky. Um, and that's kind of what this job um, is gonna help me do, get more experience doing that. And because uh, fuels work, you need certain amount of uh, fire qualifications. And the only way you get those are through more experience. And um, so eventually I wanna move more towards fuels, but I'll probably be with a federal agency uh, until I retire. That's pretty exciting. We've actually talked about uh um forest fires and smoke jumping and all that in a previous podcast uh corey you can ju jump in a little bit you just had uh one of the biggest fires in colorado just burn past your house within within miles yeah this year yeah we could we could see it from our we could see it from our our porch and man john we could have used you here <laughs> leading up to that event um, i do have a question though if i if i can just ask one of you is is there a fire program offered at michigan state um, when I was there, it was a, there was a fire ecology class that was two credits. Um, you went through guard school, which are the basic requirements to get your red card. Um, but as far as I know, that's, I don't know if that's changed that if they've added more, I, I know there's interest in it. Um, but it was a very small part of the program when I was there. I could sure. take a really glossy crack at that. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. Um, so I, they did recently, so it's different than when we had it. Uh, they've they've uh, upgraded it. Um, it's a shorter course, but it's a little more intensive. Um, they have uh, partnerships with the Forest Service and the DNR. So the, the students are actually going out to a field camp for a weekend. Um, and I believe that they're getting their red cards before they went at the end of the class. So I think we have students leaving now with red cards when they go through. Uh, but they just, I know we got a, a, a good grant. We got, you know, all the, the latest and greatest uh, uh, gear and uh, the, the baked potato things. <laughs> the aluminum, the, what is it? The, the oh, shelter. shelter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so we got the whole deal, you know. We use so, them as pillows uh, a lot. They've upgraded it. <laughs> but that's a really glossed over, you know, we can probably add a link or something later on, but. Well, thank, thank you for doing what you do, Sean. Back to you, Joe. 
Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. There's, um, it's kind of what we do. I know we have different uh, facets of forestry. Um, let's jump, uh, let's jump over to, now who's urban forestry? Who's got, who's doing tree care <laughs> urban forestry? Right here. <laughs> Corey, you are? Yeah. All right, Corey. We're going to see what you got going on. You know, and uh, I'm not sure when you graduated, when you got into uh, arboriculture, but I know MSU just recently uh, got into a, an urban forestry degree, so it's kind of new. Uh, did you go out of MSU right into uh, arboriculture right after school? Yeah, so I hit MSU kind of at the worst time to go into for urban forestry because they had a program and that had been shut down just in the last, I think, few years before I started there. Um, so I was at community college and then transferred in, found out that urban forestry was no longer a thing there. And uh, I knew that's what I wanted to go into uh, when I started at MSU. And I ended up actually switching over to the horticulture program. So I was in forestry and ended up getting my degree in horticulture because it had more overlap, I guess, and was a little, little more in tune with what I knew I wanted to do. Um, and I kind of made the, the decision that I wanted to go into the, the private side more than urban forestry. Originally, I wanted to be like a city forester. And uh, so, yeah, so I switched over to, to horticulture, but stayed involved with the, the forestry program and, and with the, the forestry club. Um, but yeah, uh, went to work for a, a tree care company right out of school, uh, worked there for a few years, then kind of got a little burned out from, from the physical work. And uh, then I bounced around a little bit and then uh, eventually last year I went off on my own, started my own business doing tree care. Where are you located, Corey? I'm in Mason, Michigan, just south of Lansing. Oh, you didn't go far. No, it's no. good to know because, uh, you know, Corey and I in our, um, our real job, you know, we get asked for a uh, tree, you know, where do we go? Who do we call? So knowing yeah. that you've got a place going out there near Mason, I, I can throw you some, uh, some leads. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, funny. I got a quick story. I think it was um, one of the MSU Forestry Club presidents. Was it? Uh, I think Emily. She had a shindig. Is one of the I think it was one of the first shindigs I brought my uh, historical display and put it in the barn. I don't know if you guys, if you guys were there for that. Well, I had a few too too many beers that I got in a discussion with uh, Rich Colby about why doesn't MSU Forestry have an urban forestry program? And he, I kind of I kind of courted him over by the little bounce house. And uh, it's amazing that uh, after that, a year later, you guys are thinking about having MSU urban forestry program. So I'm not gonna take all the credit, but I just wanted you guys to know there's a little bit of inside history of why there's an urban forestry program at MSU. And why Joe is no longer allowed within 200 yards of a bounce house. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. So it was, I think it was the last MSU shindig that I was at also, so it was kind of sad. But uh, so we went urban forestry, we went smoke. I think I think uh, we'll just jump right in the middle. We're gonna, I think we're going to talk to Ryan next because uh, believe it or not, Ryan, when uh, I interviewed Jackie over the summer, uh, we had your picture and your flannel and shorts on in the background, and we just discussed how I uh, 
I got to become friends with the MSU Forestry Club and the forestry was, was all because of you. So we're gonna, I, a quick, just a real quick recap. ISA conference, I believe it was in Pittsburgh. Uh, I had stole a picture off the internet of some skinny kid in Daisy Duke's blogging boots and a flannel shirt and I was using it uh, across the country uh, as what the world thought of us as foresters. And they showed up at the booth one day and I'm like, oh my God, yeah, you guys are with MSU Forestry Club? And I'm like, yeah, do you guys know Ryan? I'm using his picture. I said, like, holy crap, he's here. So they brought you over and that's, and that's how we all got, this all thing got started. So I don't have it as a poster yet in my office, Ryan, but I think I could one day. Well, I mean, uh, I, I guess I'm still wearing that same outfit every now and then, so not much has changed. <laughs> Hopefully you put a few pounds on, though. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I, I think I'm up about maybe three pounds since then. Oh, my God, that's awesome. Good for you. <laughs> so tell us, you know, why, why forestry, Ryan? Did you always love it? Is this something where you, you knew you were going to be? Um, no, it's, uh, it's definitely not where I thought I was going to be. I originally went in for fisheries and wildlife biology. And uh, I really, after the first year that I, uh, the jobs were tough to get in. Um, I had to get a master's degree <laughs> and I, I didn't think I had that kind of dedication to it. So uh, I kind of found forestry out of dumb luck. My uh, neighbor was an engine builder and was getting a motor built or some guy brought in a motor to get it done. Well, he ended up being a forester for the DNR. And uh, the neighbor mentioned that, you know, oh yeah, this kid that lives next door is kind of looking into something like that. Left his business card and said, we're looking for a uh, intern. So I uh, called that number on the business card, got an internship with the DNR and, and that kind of led me to where I'm at. Kind of found it on accident and uh, turned out as the, Great scenario for me. I think you're a perfect fit for uh, for forestry. The, the the love and passion that you got. You're, I'll give you credit. You're a passionate guy, man. You, you're a lot of fun. You're a good guy, and I'm, and I'm glad you found a direction. Uh, working with the MDNR. Uh, yep. Yes. Yep. I'm a forester with the Department of Natural Resources here in Michigan. Um, started out as a technician right out of college, and then. Uh, it was two years ago now, three years, three years ago now, I got promoted to a forester, uh, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. So there wasn't a whole lot of competition, made it kind of <laughs> nice for me, but um, yeah. Uh, in college, I ended up, I immersed myself in the, I guess, culture of forestry. I got super involved with the MSU Forestry Club. Uh, we did a lot of volunteering in that. I met great contacts like you, for example. Um, that was a, huge thing for me just meeting those kind of people um just so that's the biggest thing for a lot of kids when they go to college is just to I guess go to different events volunteer in different places put yourself out there and get those contacts yeah it's it's it's, it's actually a lifelong uh address book that you're developing because we think that this industry is huge but it's really not it's really small and uh, it's amazing how many people that I've known over the years that are international uh, that stay in this industry. It's a family. It really is. Yeah, it's it's awesome. So part of my job is also wildland fire. And 
they'll ship us out, you know, if we'll put ourselves available and they'll ship us out west or down south, wherever the need is at for the national, uh, for big incidents going on nationwide. And, you know, I've met some people out there that uh, I missed one MSU uh, alum, Tom Kamen. I missed him by two days on a fire or I'll get a text message from uh, another alum, Abby. She met uh, a coworker from mine. She did the demob on him. So fire really even bronzes it more to where I guess you can relate to a lot more people or you know more people in it. So it's a, uh, yeah, it is. It's truly a kind of, it's a small community. Yeah, how, many, scheme um, of things. how many people uh, will show hands we got? Let's see. One, two, Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, shoot. I might have to take my shoe off. Uh, we got a handful on here. How many of you guys on here have actually done uh, forest fires? Dan? All right. We got Jackie, most, Hillary. Most people. Yeah, most, most of you guys people. all done it. Even you, Corey? Yeah, we actually had, uh, yeah, we had fire ecology as a class, and then we all, we all had the opportunity to, uh, if you pass the shelter test, get your red card. So yeah, I'm a 190, 130, I-100. And of course that means nothing because I've done absolutely nothing to keep up with it because I'm flat-footed, ticklish, and extremely scared of wildlife when it's running at you on fire. I think Katie and I can raise our hand for that because we have our red cards or did from class. Yeah, really? Well, actually um, for class, we just had to do the written portion. We didn't have to do like the full pack test or anything. Um, so I know, I know I did the written portion and then it was like optional to continue on. And I know I did not do that. Well, Katie, while you're, while you're going, why don't you keep on going? Uh, okay. Keep on going. Uh, let's keep it going. Everybody need to hydrate, stay hydrated. Uh, I know I am. Excellent. Um, so my career path has been a little bit more, um, I don't know, more of a roller coaster. I've been all over the place. Um, so I fell into forestry. Um, my grandfather retired from um, the Will Willamette National Forest out in uh, Oregon uh, as a fire boss um, for a while, fire crew soup, um, hotshot for a long time. And so I knew I absolutely did not want to do fire. Um, and as I was going through school, I knew I really wanted to be in education. I really wanted to be in recreation. I really wanted like the fun, like holistic, like let's do, you know, skipping out in the field in the woods kind of thing. Um, but when it was coming time to graduate, um, I needed a job um, and was having a hard time finding anything. So I just Googled consulting foresters in my hometown. Um, and emailed one of them and asked if they needed any help. And he was like, actually, yeah. Um, can you start in May? I was like, okay, cool. So that's how I became a consulting forester. Um, and I was there for a few years. Um, while I was there, I was a volunteer for the American Tree Farm System in Michigan. I was an inspector. And then slowly they asked me to be vice chair of the state program. So I took over that went to a few conferences um, for the national program um, all across the country. And then um, eventually they had some positions open. And now I am the um, Northern Regional Manager for the American Tree Farm System. So I cover 20 states 
um, roughly from Minnesota to Maine to Maryland to Michigan um, to Missouri. There we go, I got my circle backwards, but um, about 20 states in there um, where I work with all of those state, 20 state programs, um, helping them work with landowners on the ground, private family forest landowners, um, helping certify their lands as sustainable um, and helping recognizing them as um, doing the right thing on the ground. So um, it's a lot of fun. It's um, no more boots on the ground, but I do get to occasionally go visit with um, landowners within my region and visit, you know, with the cool tree farmers of the year from Ohio and Maine and Vermont. Um, and it's a lot of fun to see the good work that they're doing and being able to elevate those private family forest landowners up onto the national scale and show the world what good work that they're doing. So um, it's a lot of fun. Did you always have the inner compass to get into forestry? Life forestry? I think so. Um, although I didn't know it, um, apparently in kindergarten, my kindergarten science project was how forest fires were good for like for the trees, uh, which is really silly because I don't remember that, but apparently I was saying. Um, but um, my, my grandfather was in it. I grew up in the same hometown as Ryan. We actually graduated from high school in the same class. Um, but so my neighbors were loggers, um, were foresters as well. So, um, it just was kind of always in the background and then, you know, reading the description online when I was trying to figure out what I really wanted to do for college, forestry was kind of a natural fit. Okay. Was MSU your first choice? Yes. And it's the only school I applied to, too. So I'm really <laughs> glad I got in. Uh, just check it. I was, I threw that in you for Corey because yeah. Corey's over there because he's the lone wolf over there from the, over the pond. Hey, there, 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 there are tons of good forestry programs. I'm just enjoying the conversation and hearing you guys talk about yours. So it's all good. All right. Thanks, Katie. Hillary, let's, uh, let's hear a little bit about you right. and your uh, exciting career. Because you've made, you've made a, a few changes since you left school. Um, and you're doing yeah, something a little so different right now. Right out of yeah. Yep, so right out of school. So I started as with the Michigan DNR um, in 2015, and I was there for about three years. I enjoyed it, it was a good start. I got to do a lot of different things, um, like I got to do fire, um, but I knew that at some point I didn't really want to do fire anymore. So I had started shopping around a little bit to see what other jobs were available. And um, actually another MSU grad was leaving this job. I called them up and said, hey, tell me more about this. And I applied and got it. And I've been with Consumers Energy as the hydro operations forester for two and a half years. It's interesting that uh, you, we don't realize uh, as working for Consumers Energy or any other utility group, the vast forest that they own. Uh, for the right-of-ways. So yeah. is that kind of what you um, do to maintain that? No, I'm actually the only forester with Consumers Energy that does not work in the right-of-ways. Um, the hydro program for Consumers Energy owns almost 20,000 acres scattered across the lower peninsula associated with the river hydros. Um, so I manage that and I'm the only one within the company that does like actual silvicultural management 
I set up the timber sales. I do all the inventory. I admin everything. So yeah. That's kind of kind exciting. Of a one yeah. yeah, good for you. Thanks. Good for you. We're working on it. I just actually, believe it or not, I just had a discussion this week with Dr. Deb McCullough. And uh, I still do a lot of work with MSU and I was talking to Deb about, uh, and her and Monique, I don't know if you guys ever had a chance to meet Monique uh, Sakalitis, the new plant pathologist. We're trying to get a better handle on Oak Wilton, Michigan. And uh, I'm leaning on them to come up with a program for utilities versus, because uh, Oak Wilton Coalition in Michigan is basically focused on urban forestry. And it's handcuffing utilities out in the field where it's crossing over where it shouldn't. So. Uh, some great professors get a lot of great work. So, uh, you you see yourself sticking around, yep. Hillary, and forestry at one degree for for as long as you can, or as long, long as you want to. Oh yeah, um, I got into MSU actually for zoology, but switched to forestry at my orientation because I had been kind of looking at it. And I was like, yeah, this seems more my speed, um, and really glad I made that switch and I plan on staying at this position until I retire. Every forester that's had this job before me, there's only been five since like 1940 something that have held this position. So they've all stuck with it for quite a while and I want to be the next one that stays there for 40 years. Oh, good for you, Hillary. Congratulations. Enjoy. Thanks. All right. Uh, why do we, uh, is everybody doing good? Everybody's hydrated. Is everybody's having fun. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of really exciting <laughs> to have you guys on here and talk about this, and I'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy it. So, let's go. Now that Ryan just took a swig, uh, Ryan, you definitely got the uh, the grizzliness going. Mine's turning white, but you, you're looking the part, man. You're looking loggerish. You're already gonna. You I'm looking say. more mountain man-ish. I just have my ponytail behind me so you can't actually see it. Nice. Yeah, I was trying to catch up to little Ryan, but I don't think it's going to happen because I'm about ready to cut all my hair off. Hair yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, all I can say is enjoy it while you can because there's one day you can't enjoy it and then you can wear a hat the rest of your life. So. Yeah, well, I wear a hat every day because I can't keep the hair out of my face. So. Nice. All right, how'd you get into forestry? Where are you at? I, I went to, I applied to only MSU. Um, and I applied originally, had a animal science background. Animal science is what I was going for. And two years in, I wanted to be a vet, but I realized that I didn't have the study ethic to actually get into vet school because it wasn't really that into studying until two o'clock in the morning so was looking around trying to figure out what i was going to do i uh, ended up taking a michigan forest class and then switched into forestry spent two and a half years getting a forestry degree and a lot of my family i have a lot of family from down down south west virginia and kentucky and most of them are in either they're loggers, construction workers, or coal miners. So I've been around forestry a lot, but much more on the production side of stuff, not really on the knowing an actual forester. Um, once I graduated, didn't really have a 
a job that I was going to go to. So moved to the west side of the state with my girlfriend and got a job at a tree service for the winter and was talking to different, uh, well, talking to different arborists, actually, consulting foresters and arborists over on the west side of Michigan uh, and ended up getting a job as a consulting forester. Really didn't know a whole lot about consulting besides that you work for landowners, you don't work for the state or for the mills. And then spent almost four years as a consulting forester. And then my wife and I decided to just up and move. <laughs> so we moved halfway across the world, moved to New Zealand. Um, and not long after, I guess I've been in New Zealand for almost a year, uh, six months, eight months, and then I was keeping in contact a bit with some guys that were back in Michigan that I knew from consulting and they were looking for somebody to do some right forest management plans because they didn't have the time. And the DNR also got a hold of me um, about helping with one of their management plans. Actually, Katie was a part of that. I think she might have thrown my name out. <laughs> um, so I started up my own consulting company just on a whim and have now for the past two years been doing writing management plans um, virtually or remotely, I guess. So I have a client that sends me all the information and then I write the plans and I send them back to them and um, get them approved through the DNR for, for a stewardship program or one of their other programs. Okay. Are you not still in New Zealand, are you? Yeah. Yeah, we're I'm looking at the clock in the background. I'm thinking, man, the time's the exact same. <laughs> um, it's three o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday, right now. Well, I guess it's almost four o'clock now. Um, but yeah, we've been in New Zealand for over two and a half years and trying to figure out just exactly when we're moving back. But well, whatever you do, good luck. Um Corey, you got, we just sent out an invite to uh, uh, an arborist in Australia. Correct. Uh, we're going to, once you explain, uh, let Ryan know a little about that. Maybe uh, he can jump in on that call if he wants to also. Yeah, Ryan. So uh, one of the next recordings that we'll be doing, will actually be talking to uh, two foresters down in Australia. And we're just going to look for the perspective from down under. You know, what do they look at? What what kind of not necessarily political, but what what sort of what sort of social um, social barriers do they have that that we might not hear? And um, I think it's from from the, the the interview and the pre recordings that we've been doing. Um, I think it's going to be a good conversation. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to throw your name out there and at least give you somebody else to connect with. Yeah, it definitely will be. It'll be a different perspective. It's. Um... I'll say New Zealand won't want to blanket itself with Australia. They are way far away from each other, but most Americans don't know that. <laughs> um, but as far as ecology wise, there's a lot of similarities and there's, I mean, a lot of differences. It's kind of like people say, oh, you're a forester. Well, you can just move anywhere where there's trees. Well, yeah, but I don't know these trees. I don't, I mean, this between Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere, I walk out and the trees that I can point out are all the exotics that were brought over to New Zealand. I can't point out 
successful, I couldn't point out a single tree that was native to New Zealand because most of the species and genre, they aren't even in North, the Northern Hemisphere. So it's way different. It'll be interesting to see their perspective or to, to talk and get a perspective on what their issues are. That's a, that's a really a neat perspective, Corey, about, you know, we, that's a great way you said that, Ryan, is that everybody thinks just because you graduated forestry, you can go anywhere in the world. Um, it, it's, it's even different from Michigan down to Georgia. For God's yeah. sakes, you know, you anywhere. So that's that's a good point. Uh, so geographically, there's a lot of differences about uh, forest and forest life and urban forestry and how trees react. You know, you talk about green weight, logging for, you know, urban forestry, taking a tree down, how different trees react. So there's a lot more to it than just, yeah, you, you went to school, you're a forester. That's awesome. Well, uh, we got Jackie still, but I want Jackie to be last. <laughs> to wrap up is Justin that's me yeah yep I'm just connected through my phone no fantastic uh, thanks for hanging in there uh, you don't get to see all of us laughing but that's okay <laughs> yeah no hurries no worries man yeah hey what's your uh, what do you got going on where are you at uh, why forestry and trees and is this where you're going to sure. be forever yes yeah, so I graduated in uh would have been fall or winter 2014 and I've been in Michigan since then I'm a state alum and I started out in engineering uh, just at a community college in Lansing and decided about two semesters in didn't have the brains for it <laughs> so I thought well I guess I'm not gonna make good money I should just work in the woods so um Started taking some prereqs at community college for uh, the MSU forestry program, went there. Um, and, you know, I had a few different internships at MSU. Um, I did one with a grad student working on um, emerald ash borer um, detection. This is back when, you know, we were just not, I shouldn't say just finding out about it, but just learning how to deal with that back in, you know, early 2000. 2010, 2011, 2012. Um, and then I also did some prereqs in um, like business while I was going to school. So I, I kind of wanted to, when I graduated, I wanted to have the ability to kind of be a forester, but work on the business side of things. So when I graduated, I mean, you know, I had some experience um, working at uh, a couple of sawmills in Michigan. I had some experience working for federal government, so I had kind of a you know a little bit of you know a little bit of experience in a lot of places. Ended up working in Arkansas when I graduated for a little while, just four months actually. I actually think I called Dan Brown. I said, "Dan, dude, you got to get me back to Michigan. Dude, this isn't working." And he sent me to this job posting for Post Hardwoods, which is where I work at now, which is a hardwood sawmill in Allegan County. And I've been there since 2015. So I guess why forestry is for me was just, you know, I like working in the woods. I like being able to have a different office every day. I like the specific field that I'm in in procurement forestry. You know, we're um, it's as much of a sales job as it is a forestry job. You know, it kind of has its own unique challenges in that respect. But um, that's how I ended up here, you know. In a nutshell, I guess. Justin, did uh, I? So you're right now. You're purchasing timber from private landowners, or are you 
Do you go out and buy it? Predominantly, yeah. So our sawmills in Allegan County, which would be, you know, we're about a half hour kind of southwest Grand Rapids. And most of our trees, I would say probably all of our trees come within about 100, 150 mile radius of the sawmill. Um, so I'm based kind of in the northwest part of our region, which would be, you know, up to, say, Traverse City, Michigan, you know, two thirds up the lower peninsula. And yeah, we're purchasing predominantly from private landowners. Yep. Oh, perfect. Because we, uh, Corey and I, as this podcast continues to grow and uh, like we're listening tonight uh, with all you guys, and again, thank you so much for being here, is that we have an opportunity to go in so many directions when you talk about forestry. Now, as we're setting up the first two months of paving this, we're gonna, we'd love to visit a sawmill one day, so I might be reaching out to you. Yeah, that'd be great. Love to have you. Awesome. You gonna you gonna stick into it? You, you, you loving it enough? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if loving is the right word, but yeah, I'm sticking with it, man. It's a uh, it's an interesting field because you know you're you're doing the forestry, you know you're using your silviculture, you're using your ecology, you're using the social aspects. Then there's also this business side of it where it's like you know you're working for a company, you're you know your end game is profit, right? And you know if you, I mean, you don't have to you don't have to read into it too hard. I mean, the world economy is part of your, part of what plays into your job every day. You know, like, man, am I going to have a job? Is the wood market going to crash? Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I, I, I do plan on being there as long as, um, as long as it's around. Yeah. I mean, I work for good people. Um, I like what I do. So yeah, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul for sure. No, that that's awesome. You know, obviously we know that it's a renewable resource that, the whole world needs. Um, so keep up the good work. And yeah, if we, uh, when it gets nice and I got, obviously this year is a little different with the pandemic and COVID, it's kind of weird how we have to redo things in our lives. But if it ever opens up and we come see it, we'll go tape something over at your sawmill and um, step into the next phase of where, where does, it's kind of what I want to get the sawmill in Detroit going for is that we can show a whole different, uh, group of people in the world where timber comes from or where a two by four comes from or you know they're all sitting on chairs where does that wood come from it's got to come from somewhere so we have a great opportunity and i think i think we all have uh or maybe you don't because i'm getting old sentimental and i'm not old and sentimental i'm grouchy and cynical but we we serve a pretty good purpose in this world right now so nice job everybody and uh we're gonna i think is it Jack, you're the only one that we haven't uh, had an opportunity to let you say a few good words. Jackie also has a punch card going with us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jackie, please. Well, I'm hoping if I get enough uh, punches that I get, you know, like free drinks from Joe again or something. Always. Full. <laughs> I'm trying something new tonight, but I know it's not a bourbon presentation, but um, <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> well you know what think about because you know what i was laughing about jack for we rock cory and i like obviously we can go in any direction with this another one is oak bourbon barrels is there anybody in michigan that makes oak bourbon barrels we need to tour a distillery probably joe i, I yeah it, it might be an msu forestry alum bourbon toury uh you know we could here's what i'll do I'll, we'll find it and we'll make a barrel. I got uh, two James Distillery who's going to make a barrel of bourbon for me. We'll have you guys all come down. We'll sample what we want to make. We'll put it in a barrel. You guys can all sign it. 
and then 10 years, uh, we'll break it open. You guys can all have a bottle. How's that? That sounds pretty cool. Actually, um, part of the work that I do, um, one of the teams that I also help um, serve for tree farmers is our White Oak Initiative with the American Forest Foundation. Um, oh so we are actually looking at Michigan as a place to maybe do some work for landowners, um, trying to get that White Oak going on the ground um, because of the bourbon industry going on. So um, I think you'll you'll be surprised at how much in Michigan is, is is um there's bourbon demand well thank you for bringing that because we're now going to have to call on you very soon because i think it would be awesome to have one of the charred barrels done we all get together and uh sign it and set it off to the side and hide it and we can crack it open in 10 years 12 years whatever justin's probably the one that has the closest relations with any buyers that would be getting oak considering he's still working for post yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, the closest customer we have that deals with that sort of thing would be um in Ohio. Um I don't think there's any large scale manufacturing of bourbon barrels in Michigan. Yeah. But we do sell a lot of the logs, yeah. But if we we mill it in Michigan, we take it down there, so a buckeye has to make the barrel. I guess we'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, bring it back up here and have uh well, maybe we'll do our own private still. Shoot, who knows? But it's possible because you know, there's a plan. I got a plan. I did say I have family in Kentucky and West Virginia. Hey, Corey, write that down. Note, make a note. I'm, I'm making a note of this. And what, what folks, and we'll get to Jackie once again in just a second. But what some of our listeners really need to hear, and I, I hope you're, you're taking this home with you, is the connections that are made right here, the networking that's been made in the last hour, it's, it's gold. And it's such a beautiful thing to see so many people from so many different facets of forestry coming together that we really hope that our listeners are inspired by this. But, yep, we're duly noted. We know where the whiskey's going um, to my house. But, Jack, Jackie, in the meantime, where, where are you? How'd you get there? How's life? Where are you going? Well, um, I'm in Idaho. And if you listen to the other podcast that played a couple weeks ago, um, you know, I work for the Forest Service and I've been uh, working for the Forest Service since the summer of 2014. Uh, I kind of, you know, I got into forestry on a whim. I had been going to a community college for biology for two years prior to that and uh, transferred to MSU and really just kind of stumbled upon the degree and uh so now kind of fast forward you know I took this job with the forest service uh on a trail crew it had nothing to do with timber and it was uh just kind of my foot in the door I talked to the civil culturist um on the district that year and I was like hey so you know how do I how do I get a job on the timber crew like I don't I enjoyed doing trail work. It was fantastic, you know, getting paid to hike all the beautiful trails in Utah, but you know, that's not what I went to school for. So, um, and he was like very taken aback. He's like, why are you even on the trail crew? You got a degree in forestry? Like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, you didn't hire me. What was I supposed to do? I needed money. <laughs> and, uh, and so I came back and worked for him for the next two summers. And um, I spent, a winter in South Dakota working for the uh, Forest Service, which a lot of people don't realize that there are 
or opportunities to work seasonally, even through the winter months um, on timber crews. Uh, I didn't realize it, but I worked in the Black Hills and it was really cool. Um, just, I mean, obviously being in the Black Hills, it's a pretty incredible place in general, but uh, having that ability to still build my seasonal experience during the winter months, which is not typically known for timber marking in many places, you get snowed out. Um, and then I got offered a permanent job with the Forest Service and moved to Oregon, worked there for a year and a half. Um, and then I've been in Idaho now for two and a half years. So, I mean, I guess the beauty with the Forest Service is you can go to any national forest if there's a job opening, you know, you just got to be willing to move and kind of climb the ladder that way. Or there's a lot of people that I know that have worked on the same district, the same forest, their entire careers, you know, 30, 38 years, some people. Um, so there's no reason you have to move with the Forest Service, but it's definitely a little perk getting to explore the country and kind of, you know, getting paid for it at the same time. <laughs> so, uh, I guess I foresee myself staying with the forest service, um, unless there's an opportunity to move home and kind of be closer to my family. Um, I know there are national forests in Michigan. I did convince my mother though, that there weren't any <laughs> in the, the lower peninsula because she was always hounding me, you know, like, why aren't you moving home? You should try to get a job moving home. And I was like, ah, no, there's no national forest <laughs> in the lower peninsula. They're all like five, six hours away. And, you know, at, at the very minimum, I mean, really a place that I would want to work would be like 10 hours. You guys would never visit me anyway. So I'll just stay out West. And then, uh, accidentally my cousin got married uh, up <laughs> near Traverse City and we drove through <laughs> the Huron Manistee and my mom was like what the heck this is a national forest we're only like three hours from home and I was like oh um, don't look <laughs> Hillary I seen your message I see your, your message you said you're, you're telling but you beat me to it because I'm gonna tell her mom too because there's a lot, lot of federal forest but no, that's no, it's awesome. No. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I'm foresee staying with the Forest Service, um, at least for a little while. I'm currently just the, I'm a pre-sale forester for the, the zone. And um, I mean, there's opportunities to move up and become higher level, but you kind of get out of the field work at that point. So I'm happy staying as a pre-sale forester for the time being until my knees give out or something, and then I can sit at a desk. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, we had a, Corey and I had a podcast not too long where we talked about as a climber, I was a climber uh, for a long time. And when is it time to say, uh, move more into the science side, plant healthcare side, and stop climbing because your body can't handle it forever? Um, you know, and I, I, God bless you all for what you guys do, but. Yeah, move up as fast as you can. So when you're 55 like me, your body doesn't hurt so bad. Um, enjoy it. You're in a great um, you're in a great field uh, with lots of opportunities. So I think what we'll do is, uh, Corey, if you're okay with it, there, buddy, we'll give everybody. Uh, you know, as we sat there and listened to everybody else's experience, uh, we'll give each one one last parting shot. Then you and I will. We'll wrap it up and then we'll do a little 
little toast to the trees and then um, we'll cut everybody loose. I know it's, uh, it's late for some of us and just getting going for some of us, but um, we'll give everybody a real quick shot, say their last party shot, you and I will, and send them on our way. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think that's a great idea. Friends who are listening to us, thanks for sticking along this long. It's, uh, we're about an hour or so deep. Um, so yeah, our guests, thanks for uh, all of you guys for being here. But if you could, just in one or two sentences, any parting advice for any of the listeners or people who maybe um, are just getting into forestry. So I think, Joe, if, if you remember the order that you picked in your head a couple whiskeys ago, let's go with that. I, I'm going to rely on the younger generation to remember what order they were in. So we'll start off with Dan and whoever's at the table is going to have to go. Uh, so advice, uh, if you're getting into forestry, would be join the local club, be uh, a big participant in it, because I don't know if you've noticed all the connections that we were all, you know, in the same club. Uh, we all, our life experiences and paths have all kind of interconnected. Yeah, we kind of, you know, pointed at some of those as we went along. Uh, get an intern internship in the summer don't sit around because <laughs> those those are huge helps um you know because when you're a student it's like a free pass like here you can, can come mark timber with us for a summer uh once you have your degree you need five years experience or two or three you know so it's it's a lot harder uh to get going so do internships be active in the clubs talk to people network it's, it's it makes all the difference once you graduate nice thanks Dan. next uh, I think I was next, and I would say, um, you know, just enjoy being outside. Um, I think that's the common thing that a lot of us, uh, our love for outdoors is what drew us to forestry. Um, and then I would say, if you're interested in fire, um, you know, uh, be open to different locations all over the country. and enjoy the travel and enjoy the, all the people that you get to meet. So. Fantastic, Sean. You guys know what the, the next person is. It might've been me. <laughs> I was looking at you, Corey, but I wasn't going to say it. Go ahead. Yeah. I feel like I got to say something about urban being the only one here. Uh, you know, it's it's a great industry, and and Joe, you know how it is. It's it's a very small industry. You get to know a lot of people. I see a lot of the same faces, even just people I run across at you know conferences and and everything, and just get involved in the industry. And I mean, there's there's so many different things that you can do within the industry, but I mean, it's it's a very tight knit industry, and that's one thing that I love about it. That's what kind of has drawn me back to it. Um, you know, there's, it's, it's just such a, a fun industry to, to be working in. Yeah, Corey, if you get an opportunity, if you go back a couple of our podcasts back and I hope you guys subscribe and check this out, but we did talk about the difference between urban forestry and forestry and you're not alone because both myself and Corey are urban foresters, arborists. So you're not alone. You may be alone with the MSU guys, but you know, we got you back. We got you. So, and you're right, it is, um, I just talked to our office today, just to kind of real quickly, is that I came up with an idea for a cartoon about this poor little tree on the backside of the fence, looking over at the forest like, geez, nobody loves me. 
uh, type cartoon. But the bad thing is that he's more value because he's a single tree than he is to the forest. So Kara knows about it, uh, who is our, our, uh, our director, producer, the, the brains behind this operation. And we're going to work on that. So keep up the good work and, and Corey, be safe, please. All right. Yeah, so uh, it was supposed to be one to two sentences, but uh, Dan probably had five or six in there and took the words out of my mouth. But, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> get involved, you know, uh, join the clubs, take those internships, and don't be afraid to kind of put yourself out there and meet new people. I think that is a huge thing is to have those connections, and that's kind of what builds references for jobs even, and experiment throughout forestry. Try the urban try the traditional forestry, try fire. Uh, and then you might find that one avenue that really appeals to you most. I think what most about you, Ryan, is be, and be yourself. Because if it wasn't for you being yourself, none of us would be here tonight. So thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you don't have to be, be afraid to show your true colors. Or <laughs> <laughs> true, <you>, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I can't wait for my poster. All right, where do we? Where do you go after that? So who's after? Who, who's next? I think it was me, um, but I'll jump in anyway. Um, so my last words of wisdom would just be: um, let the wind take you. Um, just you know, you can have your heart set on day one of you know where you want to go, but if you keep your eyes open and ears open for different opportunities and um, not be afraid to reach out and make your own opportunities. Um, you never know where you're going to end up. Um, and it can be way more rewarding um, than you would ever imagine. So um, just uh, keep your eyes peeled at all times. Um, keep your eyes open. Um, figure out um, what you have passion for and just keep following it until, until you're done. Great, Katie. Follow your heart. You know, while you, were, while you were saying your your parting shot, I thought about the end of Forrest Gump when the feathers flying around in the air, and you just you know wherever you land, make the most out of it. You're absolutely right. Uh, thank you. All right, where do we go after that? Is Hillary? Are you next? So, my thing, I think it can be summed up into one word of advice. Um, join your professional society. I started off in the Society of American Foresters when I was a student and the connections I made in there, I still talk to most of those people at, almost on a weekly basis. I'm involved with the Society of American Foresters. I'm the science and technology chair right now. Um, and like this, networking contacts it's an amazing experience the meetings are really helpful you learn so much and yeah just join the professional society i promise it's worth it i seen i seen corey uh thumbs up on that so corey i'll let you uh comment on what a, that, that was a that was a great idea hillary um oh, that's gold that's gold especially as people are trying to network and grow grow their own for your own self edification at the very least join your local SAF chapter or 
ISA, which is the International Cyberborn Culture. Join that. Get involved. Thank you, Hillary, for saying that. That's awesome. Yeah, we're even uh, even with my uh, nonprofit. We're working with Michigan Forest Association also. So you're right. You got a network, and we're all we're all in it for the same reasons, but we're not. If that makes sense. But we're all yeah. taking care of the same thing. I, I just want to say real quick uh, before we jump on. To, I think is it, is it Justin next, or is it Ryan? But look at Corey, badass over here splicing while we're talking. He, he got no time because he's going to have to need that in the morning. <laughs> um, is it Ryan or Justin? Who's ready? So I would say. Go ahead, Justin. I feel bad no, I was just saying, I think Ryan was next. <laughs> I feel bad for Justin because he's going to have to really think. But I agree with everything that everybody else has said so far. I would also add not only joining the different societies or the different organizations, but also going to any of the meetings, anything that you can, especially as a student, because they really do. Most universities help students get to any of the organizations. They help you get to, oh, what is it, TCIA, that's where we saw Joe. They help you get to ISA, they help you get to SAF, they help you get to the conferences. So join the conferences and also have a basic or a working knowledge at least of the equipment that you're using, whether it's chainsaws, whether it's the different logging equipment, not knowing how to use them maybe, but just knowing that this piece is used for this and this is used for this. Because if you show up and you don't know how to use a chainsaw, at least how to use a chainsaw safely, you're going to have a hard time getting respect from bloggers, arborists, <laughs> anybody. <laughs> Just, you got me Do you guys ever see the Dinty Moore commercials where they have this, uh, this one, the guys are trying to start the chainsaw backwards and yeah, don't show up on a job. Justin, yeah, don't show up on a job not knowing how to start a chainsaw. The, the most common tool that we use in this industry. <laughs> and uh, oh, Hillary, just so you know, that I, I did eventually pick up that chainsaw in um, Grayling from the your old oops over there for the museum. So thank you for that. It's in the museum. But uh, awesome. yeah, know how to use the tools. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, Ryan. You got all the, you know, other than Jackie, you got, you got to be amazing. Go for it, Justin. What do you got? Everyone has given really solid advice. You know, do your internships, you know, network. Don't be afraid to talk to people. Put yourself out there. I guess I'll just note maybe an issue that from the industry side of things we're probably noticing, but maybe in other um, areas of forestry, they might be popping up as issues as well, which is employment. We need more people to apply in the forestry industry side of things. We're not getting enough candidates we're not getting a, enough young blood at all to fill in the positions that you know people at, at the rate of retirement is exceeding the rate of i would say new cohorts yeah and it's really just a matter of we're not getting the applications and we can't really figure out why um so maybe you know the industry just might not be doing a good job of reaching out to new students um, or maybe they just might not be interested in, in it. I'm not sure. But I would say that, hey, you know, if you guys are interested in the industry, there's a need for you. We want you. We're looking for you. We can't find you. So if you're out there, please reach out to us. It doesn't have to be, you know, in 
it might not just be a Michigan problem. You know, I'm from Michigan, so I'm just noting personal experience, but um, you're needed. Um, and I guess what I would say is don't be afraid to get your feet wet. If you get yourself in something that you don't like, you can always move. It's not a problem. But um, specifically um, in like the procurement side of things and the consulting forestry side of things, in the boots on the ground forestry side of things in Michigan, we're really lacking um, foresters. And um, so I guess I just wanted to make that announcement so that people would be aware of that. So that if you happen to be in Michigan or anywhere, probably, um, there there should be jobs out there for you so hopefully you're hopefully you're looking for them uh great great advice Corey and i we we, we talked about this numerous times at this unfortunately our industry is shrinking um and it's tough because it's such a valuable part of the, what we do uh just to breathe you know with trees but yeah yeah right great great apply get into the industry get in you know Find your path. Whatever you do, as long as you're taking care of trees, God bless you. Right on. Uh, is everybody uh, Jackie? Yeah, I think that's it. Um, you guys left me in a predicament here. Uh, I mean, yeah, I can echo everything that everyone said. I guess um, the only word of advice is probably more of like a word of caution regarding the networking aspect of things because it can help you immensely but it can also hurt you if you go about it in the wrong way um and i only say that because i've seen it firsthand especially the forest service is a huge network a giant agency in the scheme of things but really when it gets down to it it is such a small agency it's such a small world because especially if you move forest to forest or region to region as even like ryan was saying with the michigan dnr working with fire you see people from across the country people come in from everywhere because it is so multifaceted and there's different duty stations um you could be working with people from you know across the country in florida one summer and then you get a job out in georgia and you're working with those same people again and so you want to make sure you know if you are building relationships you make them good relationships right i mean first impressions are everything and um i know i had a a crew lead when i was just a seasonal um who was awful and I, it was a great experience because as I kept moving up in the the positions and ranks, like I told myself I would, you know, I never want to be that crew lead or that supervisor to somebody, especially someone just starting out in the industry. And come to find out now that I have a permanent job as a forester, that person applied to be on a crew and there's no way he, he would be hired you know, within my region anymore, because I know his, what he was like. And, you know, and it's something that could, like I said, be beneficial or detrimental to your career. So I'll also keep that in mind, <laughs> a little word of caution. Yeah, I, I, Jackie, it's a great point is that we're all talking about 
you know, all the positives, there could also be negatives. And that's like with any trade. I've worked with guys in the past that I was honest, I swear to God that I would, I'm not even going to say it, what I would do, but I don't, yeah. So we have to be very careful. That's how you conduct yourself. And what is amazing is that uh, tonight we got 12 people on this call that are just, um, are amazing in the right direction in forestry, urban forestry. So yeah, carry yourself professionally, respectfully, and safely. And uh, this industry will always have a spot for you. You're absolutely right. All right, Corey. All right. Well, hey, thank you, Michigan State folks, alum, grads. All of you guys are making a bigger impact on this industry than you know. So I am honored, and I know Joe is as well, that you guys took the time. And all of our listeners really appreciate you guys sharing your insights. So thank you so much. Uh, friends out there in Discovering Forestry Podcast Nation, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. If you would like to get into contact with any of these lovely people today, please, please, please just shoot us a note at discoveringforesters at gmail.com. We'll get you squared away and on the right path to success. Well said, Corey. Um, I'm very fortunate. Now you guys are getting into industry, and I see the lights at the end of the industry. Um, and I will say that knowing you all and, and having the opportunity to meet you and uh, become friends is that even Corey, Corey is, is, is such a bright light in this industry. Um, I can retire safely knowing that the trees of the world are in good hands. And I, I mean it from the heart. So thank you guys all for what you're doing and how you're doing it and keep doing it. And um, when you see me hobbling down the road in my walker, just say hi. That's all. Hey, great topic today. Yes, and lots of good information. Yeah, probably one of our best yet. If you enjoyed the podcast or have topics you would like to discuss, please send them to discoveringforestry at gmail.com. And please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. Thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Joe. And I'm Corey. Signing, Signing out. out.